to show the world how to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I can't think of any better way to do that than to have a baptism in church again. It has been so long, it seems, since we have had a a baptism in church because of this doggone pandemic. And it is just great to be back. So to the sisters, thank you for being here, for bringing your children today so that we can celebrate God's covenant promises. Well, that's what we're talking about this month as we talk about being made for this moment. We're talking about God's covenant promises and how he has shaped us for this moment in time. And so if you will, please turn with me to the book of Revelation. If you don't know where it is, it's the last book of the Bible. Uh, You can find it pretty easily. And we're going to be in the first chapter of Revelation. And just for those of you who are taking my Revelation seminar or my pastor's Bible study, you know that there's only one Revelation, right? I will charge you a quarter if I hear anybody saying Revelations. It's one Revelation, just saying. But our scripture reading this morning is from Revelation chapter 1, beginning in the ninth verse through the 11th verse, and then skipping down to, to verses 17 through 19. So hear now what the Lord is saying to the church. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea, to the 17th verse. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. 2021 will be the 175th anniversary of this church's ministry. And we believe right now San Antonio needs First Presbyterian Church more than ever. The good news is that the Lord has made us as a church, made us as his disciples for this moment. As faithful Mordecai said to young Esther, who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. God has made us by his grace, by his faith, and by his love. As the Apostle Paul wrote, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, Over the last 175 years, God has given each generation the resources it needed to fulfill God's mission in its own time. And you know what? Now is our moment. In his best-selling book, 
the Purpose Driven Life, Pastor Rick Warren explains that God has shaped us and given each one of us a unique shape for his mission. Now the word shape is an acronym that stands for spiritual gifts, heartfelt passions, abilities, personalities, and experiences. God has equipped us for this moment with customized spiritual gifts, customized heartfelt passions, abilities, personalities, and experiences. Now last week, Mitchell talked about the A of our shape, our abilities that God has given each of us for building up the body of Christ. This week, I get to talk to you about P, our personalities. Now today, we had a baptism. One family, three children. Now let me ask you this. You saw them up there with me. Do you think the, uh, the personalities of those three children are identical? Do you think that they are gonna grow up and that we can check in in the next 10 years and they're gonna have the same opinions, the same interests, the same likes, the same dislikes, all that kind of thing. Do you think that's gonna be the case? I mean, you saw Titus, Titus, I don't know if you heard this, but when I asked uh, Roman and Josephine the questions of their faith, he was sitting there going, yes, yes, that kid's gonna be a preacher one. <laughs> or even better, a lay disciple, that's even better. But then, then you've got Eleanor Rose and she was just stunned. And I'm not sure if it was just bewilderment at, at just the fact that I was just right there in her face. And then I believe it was Anne who was like, I'm just gonna wiggle, I'm enjoying being here. I'm gonna move, I'm gonna move, I'm gonna move. They have three distinct personalities even now. And over the next 10 years, we're gonna see those personalities emerge. John Mayer, PhD of psychology today, describes personality as a person's global psychological system. The organization of a person's motives and emotions, appetites and thoughts, self-awareness and self-control and plans for action. So personality is not just one thing. Personality is a system of traits. It's a combination of characteristics or qualities that form an individual's distinctive character, their interests, their appetites, their fears, their mental processes, their affections. But personality, to put it in a different light, personality is like a recipe. It's the combination of all these other ingredients that come together to form a distinct flavor. We even use flavor words to describe personalities, don't we? Sweet. Somebody can be salty. Somebody can be spicy. Somebody can be bland. Somebody can be savory. We use those words to describe that combination of elements that give us our distinct personalities. Now, there are two things I believe we need to understand about personality. The first is obvious, that there is a variety of personalities. All people, just like these three, are not the same flavor. Personalities are diverse and they are distinct. Now, classical psychology and philosophy describe about four personality types. We've all heard these before. Type A, those who are work-obsessed and high-stressed. Type B, those who are low-stress and adaptable to change. Type C, highly conscientious but struggle to reveal emotions, whether those emotions are positive or negative. Type D, those who have a pessimist, pessimistic outlook, a lack of self-confidence or fear of rejection. 
That's kind of an old school way of classifying personalities. The Myers-Briggs person, Myers personality profile describes people as 16 different types of personality according to their, to their tendencies to be introverted or extroverted, sensitive or intuitive, thinking or feeling, judging or perceiving. And then, again, there's another whole group, those who are students of the Enneagram method, see people as one of nine different archetypes. They could be, we look, uh, people like that look at others as a reformer, a helper, an achiever, an individualist, an investigator, a loyalist, an enthusiast, a challenger, or a peacemaker. Now, has anybody in here ever taken the Myers-Briggs, or has anybody in here ever taken the, the, uh, an Enneagram test, if you have, raise your hand. You know your numbers, yeah, you get people talking about this and they start talking about all those letters and archetypes. It's really kind of fun because we all know that there is a wide variety of personalities. Some people are boisterous, some are quiet, some are direct, others are more subtle. And we know that personality does not just describe how we act, it also describes how we perceive the world. And you don't have to be a behavioral scientist to see that there are lots of different types of personalities because we all know and we all sense that other people are just wired differently. Which brings me to my second point, that there is a variety of personalities, but personality is a gift of God. Personality is not something that is just shaped by circumstances or biology, by nature or nurture, although all those things can influence it. Personality, I believe, is a gift of God. Remember those words from our call to worship. The psalmist wrote, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Lord told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God formed our inward parts. God formed us in our mother's womb. And God loves variety. Again, Rick Warren wrote, it's obvious that God loves variety. Just look around. He created each of us with a unique combination of personality traits. God made introverts and extroverts. He made people who love routine and those who love variety. He made some people thinkers and others feelers. Some people work best when given an individual assignment while others work better with a team. But God works through different people in different ways. But it's all the same God who achieves his purposes through them all. It goes, he goes on to point out that the Bible gives us plenty of proof that God uses all types of personalities. He says Peter was sanguine, Paul was choleric, Jeremiah was melancholy. When you look at the different personality differences in the 12 disciples, it's easy to see why sometimes there was interpersonal conflict. I mean, consider again the disciples. Peter, whose real name was Simon, got the nickname of The Rock before Dwayne Johnson was ever The Rock. Peter was The Rock. Or Barnabas, his real name was Simon. But his nickname, Barnabas, means encourager. 
And I love this one. James and John were called the sons of thunder. You don't get that nickname for nothing. I mean, if you all may remember uh, many years ago, probably about 25 years ago, there were two running backs. They were twin brothers at the University of Virginia. Their names were uh, Rondé and Tiki Barber. They went on to become all pros. But while they were at UVA, they were called Thunder and Lightning. Everybody gets a nickname because it reflects their personality and who they are. The Apostle Paul wrote, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Just look at the church. We are called to unity in Christ. We all supposedly believe the same things, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And yet we're all so different. You know, we might ask at this point, why doesn't God make his disciples more uniform? Why this menagerie of personalities and characters? Well, I think the answer is this. God put so many personality types in the church here in this place. He put so many different types of people in here because there are so many different types of people out there. And they need to know out there that they can connect with us in here. I'm convinced that God has made us for this moment. And I believe that God gave you your personality for such a time as this. This is no accident. And so if personality is a gift and God has given us a variety of personalities, How are you using the personality that God has given you? Now, in our scripture passage for today, the Lord commands the Apostle John to write to seven different churches. Now, we all know this, that like individuals, groups can take on a certain type of personality. I mean, think about the way people describe churches, spirit-filled or dead, bland or exciting warm, cold. But if we really understand personalities, we know that every personality has both positive potential and its own problems. Each of the seven churches of Revelation had its own personality profile in which Christ identifies both their positive potential and their problems. Consider this, he wrote first to the church in Ephesus. They were the disciplined and dutiful church but they had become harsh. Christ says, you've lost the love that you used to have. Or Smyrna, known as the steadfast church. Or Pergamum, they were loyal, but they were a little too undisciplined. They needed more discipline with regard to the practices of their pagan neighbors. Or Thyatira, you are compassionate, but you're too tolerant to sin and immorality. Sardis, I love this one. You're kind of pretty, but lazy. You're coasting on your reputation. You need to get up and finish the job. Now is the time and today is the day. Philadelphia, there's no negative in the write-up of Philadelphia, but the apostle John, the Lord says, you're just scrappy. You're the underdog. And remember the old phrase, it's not the dog in the fight, it's the fight in the dog. And then there's the church 
in Laodicea that Christ describes as lukewarm. It says you're rich, possibly blessed more than any other church, but you're lukewarm. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Those are harsh words. But here's what I think is interesting about it. The Lord doesn't really tell us what their positive potential is. He doesn't even really tell us what their personality is. We don't know if the Laodiceans were gregarious or boisterous or thoughtful or calm or contemplative by nature. All we know is that at this moment in time, they are lukewarm. They're like cold soup or stale coffee. But here's what I think. I don't think that lukewarm was their personality. I think that lukewarm was their compromise. It was their hiding place. Whatever the true personality of the Laodicean church, the tragedy is that they were suppressing it. God had put something in them and and they had put it on the shelf or they were hiding it in a vault of shame or fear. And they were doing it because they were either too comfortable to care or too scared to move. And God is saying, be who I made you to be, personality and all. I gave you all of this. You have all those blessings, but you're just sitting there. They were scared to be too hot or too cold for Christ. And they were scared because they were scared of losing everything else. Fear, more than anything else, smothers the personality and the personality that God gives us. It smothers the potential that God gives us, whether it's fear of rejection or fear of uncertainty or fear of disapproval or fear of discomfort or fear of pain. They were afraid. I believe that's why they were lukewarm. And I believe that fear had the Laodiceans stuck in neutral fear that if they really let the light of Christ shine in them they would lose everything else freedom comfort property social standing even their lives so look at what John says in the passage that we read today he says you know what I get it I understand. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. He's saying, I'm your partner in the tribulation. I know your pain. I've suffered your persecution. I'm a prisoner on Devil's Island or or the Alcatraz or the Azkaban or the ancient world. And the only reason that they don't kill me is because they might want to do something worse to me. He's saying, I have every reason to be afraid. I have every reason to give up and put my head down. But, he says, I'm also your partner in Christ's kingdom and in the hope and endurance and patience of Jesus Christ. And you know what? 
Christ came to me and he said, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus was telling him, don't be afraid. No matter how bad it gets, I'm in control. I believe that our Lord was so hard on the Laodiceans because he loved them so much. He said, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus saw that his precious children were allowing their fear to smother their God-given personality, their God-given gifts. And he says to them, be not afraid. John was so scared and undone that he collapsed in fear, but then Jesus laid his right hand on me and said, fear not. The Laodiceans were stuck in neutral, not going too fast, not going too slow, not really moving at all. God was saying, you're idling. You're doing nothing. And that's what fear does. It puts our God-given personality in neutral or worse in reverse. But God, the Holy Spirit, takes our God-given personality and puts it in drive moving us forward. Power comes in our lives and God's mission moves forward when Jesus puts his hand on us and says, fear not. I am the alpha and the omega. I made you and knit you together in your mother's womb and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm the one who holds the keys to death and Hades and nothing can touch you unless it fulfills my gracious design for your life. You can be cold and you, or you can be hot. Just don't be lukewarm. Don't be afraid. Now, the reason we're talking about all this right now is because we're talking about stewardship. Stewardship is often understood, is misunderstood. It's one of those churchy words that we think just means fundraising or charitable giving. But stewardship is much deeper than that. It actually means using God's gifts for God's purposes. It means using all of God's gifts, including God's gift of personality. Again, Ephesians 2, 10 and 11 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And God gave you and God gave the church and gave the world your personality, your personality for such a time as this. God knew in eternity past about 2020 
He knew what you and your family would be suffering. He knew what you and your community would be suffering. He knew what our country would be going through. And he built the personality that you have into you for such a time as this. You know, this past week we celebrated two memorial services here at the church. We held services for Judy Rennick and Will Carter, two very different people. Judy Rennick was an advisor, a trusted confidant, always willing to lend an ear. She was a kindred soul. She was no wilting violet. Her wife, Hutton Coleman, described her as the perfect wife. But she was tough. She was a respected authority figure who delicately navigated that territory between sage friend and parent. For another friend's daughter, she was the stand-in mother of the bride. She was a compatriot. She was considerate compassionate patron and a friend born for adversity. Will Carter was a father, a rancher, a businessman, a husband, a prankster, a cowboy poet, fiercely loyal, intense work ethic. He loved to play and he loved to work hard. He was a true Texan who lived by the creed, shoot straight, sit on a saddle right, and fight hard. To paraphrase another friend of mine, he was no saint, but he was one heck of a disciple. Two very different people. The one thing they had in common was that God used their very different personalities to draw people closer to Christ. Quoting his father yesterday, Jake said, are you going to stay in your foxhole and play it safe or get out and run with the horses? Jesus Christ is putting his hand on you today saying, fear not. Do not be afraid. Get out of your lukewarm foxhole and run with the horses. Now, maybe you think you don't have the personality of a disciple. Really? Which one? Maybe people have told you that. God's mission needs you. Needs your spiritual gifts, your heartfelt passions, your abilities, your resources, your experiences, and especially your personality. You are made for this moment. And I'm telling you this right now. There are people in here and there are people out there who are wired just like you and God has wired you to connect with them for his good, for our good and his glory. And so if personality is a gift and God has given us a variety of personalities, how are you using the personality that God has given you? How has God wired you? Don't let fear smother your God-given personality profile. Don't let it hamper your ability to use all your other gifts for his purposes. Your personality really dictates how you will use your other gifts and how you use them for his good and for his glory and our good, for the church's good and his glory, for his glory and the city's good. You know, this week is a week to prepare for next Sunday, which is our dedication Sunday. 
And if you're a covenant partner of this church, in the last week or so, you should have gotten one of these in your mail. And on the back, in the back, you're going to find a commitment card that we're going to ask you to bring next week as you stand up and publicly make your commitment to this church to support us, not just financially, but to support us with those other God-given gifts that he has shared with you, his resources for his purposes. Now, on the one hand, I want you to read and pray over what you find in this brochure, but on the other hand, I also want you to do this. I want you to get online. I want you to take the spiritual gifts survey, which walks you through each one of these shape points, because I know that there are things that we are leaving in the closet. We're leaving them on the table. Areas where maybe we're a little lukewarm and we could either be cooled off or heated up. But I want you next week, this whole week, to be praying about how God is calling you to use the gifts that he's given you for his purposes. As Paul wrote to Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I ask you to please fan that flame and ask yourself, how am I using the personality that God has given me? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for drawing us together as your people. Thank you for deploying us for your mission. And thank you for giving us personalities that shape the message and the truth you've given us to bear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.